Help us to understand. Help us to stay on path. Help us not to lose our testimony. Help everyone in this church tonight not to lose their testimony. Father, help the ones who are doing wrong tonight. Father, I pray they're so convicted, wherever they are around the world, in this church and out of this church, that conviction would just fall upon them, that they would live right from this day forward, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight, I pray, Father, that we can overcome, all of us overcome temptations, because we're all going to be tempted three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a week, sometimes a day. But, Lord, you gave us a way out. And it's so important to put on the full armor that we may stand, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you tonight. This list, our husbands, our wives, our families, and our friends are on tonight. Father, would you heal them, Father? Would there be a, a speedy healing tonight? And, Father, we just pray, Father, for Brother Benny and Brother Tim and Stormy's husband and the ones that's lost their jobs tonight. Father, we lift up this church to you. Father, we may grow in love and wisdom and in stature. Father, we thank you so much tonight. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. In 1957, there was a Bible preacher. Back in the good old days where they had Bible preachers. There needs to be Bible preachers today. People who will open up a Bible. How many like Charles Stanley? Raise your hand. Charles Stanley has the biggest hands on the planet. If you don't believe me, go home and watch one of his television shows. He has the biggest Bible and the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. His hands come over his Bible. His hand make two of mine. And I thought one day I was watching him on TV. I was like, man, that guy always has his Bible in his hands. I said, I guess because his hands are so doggone creepy, you don't want nobody to see it. He got a creepy hand, man. You ever shake somebody with a creepy hand? It ain't cool. <laughs> Charles Stanley always got his Bible. Back in the day, preachers always had their Bible. They didn't stand and lecture at people. They didn't stand and preach messages that made everybody feel good. They had a Bible, and they preached out of it. People say, Brother Martin, when are we going to go to those screens and have the words and this, that, and the other? And, and, and we do that sometimes. Sometimes I have the scripture up here. When we're going to add two more scriptures, and I mean two more screens where sometime maybe we'll get to that place where we'll have the scriptures up there for you. But I want you to have your Bibles. I want you to have your Bibles. I, why, Brother Mark? Why? Because I want you to open up and make sure I'm telling you the truth. Make sure what I'm teaching you is the truth. The true word of God. I ain't making it up. It ain't coming from some man-made Bible. It's coming from God. In 1957, there was a Bible preacher named Donald Gray Barnhouse. He lived from 1895 to 1960. He preached a sermon called Temptation and How to Meet It. And he gives three ways to defeat temptation and at the end of his sermon he said this he ended his sermon with a summary statement it says you're going to be tempted by the flesh run away 
You're going to be tempted by the devil. Stand up and fight with the word of God in your hand, the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. And as to the world around you, do not be conformed, but day by day ask God to pour you into the mold of Christ. When we're done with this thing and I'm gone, when my assignment's over and God has called me to glory, I don't want you to look like Mark Grimes. I want you to look like Jesus Christ. When you're gone, when your time's up, when I'm going to a funeral tomorrow at 11 o'clock, there's a guy, I know his time has been called up. When your time is over and your family's legacy, you don't want them to look like mama or look like papa. You want them to look like Jesus in every area of your life. Three temptations we all face, brothers and sisters. Number one is the flesh. The flesh, the flesh. This stuff right here, the stuff we see, the stuff we hear, the stuff we smell. When you are tempted with lust of the flesh, remember the word flight. Say that with me, flight. In English, in English, that word flight means to run. To run. Say run. Flight, run. Say that. Say it again. Flight and run are the same thing. So if I say flight, that means run. When you are tempted with the lust of the flesh, run. The Bible don't tell you to stand there. The Bible tells you to run away from the flesh when it rises up inside of you, when that lust, that greed, that envy, that, that, just, that, that just, I'm about to lose it, the Lord said, run. Run. I ain't never ran from nothing in my life. Well, you've probably never been nothing in your life. Because if you give in to the flesh every time, you'll never be nothing. I'm just telling you that right now. It's hard not to give in to the flesh. When you're tempted with the lust of the flesh, remember the word flight. God does not tell us to fight this kind of temptation. Instead, he tells us to flee from it. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Got my Bible? Go there with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. God does not tell us to fight this kind of temptation. He tells us to flee from it. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. Run away from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immortality is sin against your own body. First he says run away from it. How many of you have ever heard the story of David and Bathsheba? Uh, anybody ever heard that story? Man, there was a great king. His name was David. And David looked out the window of his, of his big old house, and he saw this lady, and she was 
bathing naked on her porch. I'm just going to break it down in English. She was bathing naked on, uh, 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 and, and, and he looked down here, and this lady, Bathsheba, she had great beauty, and she was a knockout. But David should have turned his head. It wasn't his wife he was looking at. Can I say this to you men? You ought to keep your eyes in your own head. Uh, somebody ought to hear me. That's English. Easy to understand, hard to swallow. A girl walks by, you want to go, mm, 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 mm. And you turn all around, and your wife will knock one of your teeth out. <laughs> you come to church missing a tooth, I say, what happened? She got me, Brother Mark. I was keeping my eyes out of my head. That's a lesson from David. David walked out on his balcony of his house. He looked down there, this beautiful woman, and she's bathing. She's naked, and he looks at her, and he lusts after her. His flesh said, I got to have her no matter what. I got to take this no matter what. And he called for her. And he forced her to sleep with him. And all of a sudden, things started spiraling out of control. And he wound up killing her husband. He wound up getting so far away from God. That he wound up losing his own child. There's a good story there. If you find it, read it. Moral of the story is his flesh cost him everything. Cost him his testimony. Cost him his integrity. And it cost him his family. Do we see that in this world today? You betcha. We see that right now in this world today. David wouldn't. Wouldn't have ever given in to temptation his flesh. If he'd have done as Joseph did when Potiphar's wife approached him. If you compare these two stories, you'll see the running part. Joseph, he was in the same situation. He had somebody lusting after him and he decided to run for his life. We got to run. When our flesh rises up, we got to run. It's important for you to learn to run. Don't be putting yourself in no bad situations. Because take sexual sin out of the way. There's a lot more to, to flesh than sexual sin. When you, when you get in the flesh, it could be greed. It could be any kind of thing that just arouses your attention, that makes you lose focus. It could be an idol. It could be a motorcycle. It could be a four-wheeler. It could be a rodeo. It could be a horse. These things, we say, oh, that's nice. I got to have it. That's what I am. I'm going to do everything I can to get it. I don't care if it costs me anything. I don't care if it costs me my relationship with God. People say that right now. I don't care if it costs me my relationship with God. We see people fall down right now. All over the world. They don't care. They don't care what God thinks. I'm going to give in to this sexual temptation. I'm going to give in to this lust. I'm going to give in to this pride. I'm going to give in to whatever makes me happy. I see that in my own church. I see that in churches around the world. I see that with Christian people now. And it's sad. God did not design us to give in to lust. He created us to be like Joseph and run from it. 
Potiphar's wife had her hooks in him. It even says it in the Bible. It says she grabbed him, she had him, she was going to take advantage of him, and, man, he ran up out of his clothes, Jack. She ripped his garment. And when he ran from her, others saw what was taking place. Now, let me break this down for you in English. Let me show you how the story went. He was running. He didn't want nothing to do with it. He was a man of integrity. He, he, he had a lot of pride. He, I mean, he loved, the, he, loved his, he loved the Lord one, but he loved his, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he loved his boss, and, and, and he, loved, he just loved God so much that he wouldn't give in to sin. So he took off running, and she grabbed him and said, I got to have you, and he pulled away. And, and when he did, some other people saw him, and she went to screaming. He tried to rape me. And they caught him up, and they threw him into prison. But God never left him. God had a plan. It might look like the end of the story, but it was just the beginning of his story. Because when you run from your flesh and your worldly desires... God's got a plan for your story. You know, he ran for his life. What did David do? He lingered and he watched Bathsheba. Then he entertained this lustful thought that led him to commit two heinous sins in the flesh, adultery and then the murder of Uriah. What's the lesson for you and me tonight? If there's a magazine a movie, a television program, or a person that arouses a thought or a thing that arouses a thought, you and I are to flee from it. We're to run from it. We're to take off from it. Brother Mark, we're living in 2015. The Lord says I'm the same as it was yesterday. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I do not change. So if, he, if they ran in Bible times, we can run now. She means more to me than anything. I ain't going to fall into lust. If it approaches me, I'm going to run from it. One time I had this girl come to this church, and she had a son. And he had been abused. And man, she she was looking for a daddy for this kid. And she was looking at all the good men in the church and trying to get them to help her. And yeah, I said, man, we'll take him fishing. We'll take him to some rodeos. Yeah, we'll let him hang out with us. And Brother Garrett, I did. Some other men did. We all, we all tried to help this girl. And, and man, she started having feelings for the men that was helping her. And we was kind of playing it off and joking. Uh, uh, my wife and some of her friends are like, ah, she, you know, there you go. And we were just kind of playing it off and joking. All of a sudden, one day she come into my office, and it was right around the corner, and she said, hey, Brother Mark, tell me how you really feel about me. I said, Mary! I started hollering for Mary. I started getting out of that room. I don't counsel women by myself. I have never been alone with a woman in my office by myself. I have women come up here all the time and want to talk. Either Lita will meet with them, or I have Vicky with me, or I have Mary with me, or I have an elder's wife come with me. I will not allow my flesh, I said flesh, 
to be entertained by evil thoughts. Same with money. Same with your time. It's so easy if you punch a time clock to be tired and exhausted. You say, I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to go home, get out of here. I know they said 5 o'clock, but it's 425. Nobody's going to know. Hey, Jose, yeah, what's up, buddy? Hey, when you leave at 5, can you punch my time clock too? Yeah, no problem. No problem, brother. No problem. I got you. Bam. Do it once. Get away with it. Do it twice. Get away with it. Do it a year. Get away with it. Your flesh says, yeah, got away with that. I can get away with this. Got away with lying over here. I can get away with lying over there. Got away with drugs over here. I'll get away with drugs over here. Got away looking at pornography on the Internet today. I'll get away with it if I act on it tomorrow. God always brings sin to the light. You better understand that tonight. If, if you're acting on your flesh, God's going to bring it to the light. What did David do? He lingered and watched Bathsheba. Then he entertained his lustful thought and it led to adultery and murder. What's the lesson for me and you? If there's anything that allures our flesh, just get away from it. I watched the old black lady preach the other day on the internet. Boy, she was preaching. She had on a nightgown, it looked like, and rollers in her hair, brother. And she was, she was just uh, getting it, Jack. I was like, man, one day I won't be able to preach like her without the rollers in the nightgown. <laughs> and she was just a preaching away. And she was talking about cell phones and how our flesh has to reach for that cell phone and got to look at that cell phone. And the cell phone came from the devil. And how now it's an idol. And now it's an idol. And if we as a nation, as we as a nation of God lovers and people, if the first thing we did in the morning would be to hit our knees and pray and ask God to bless this day instead of look and see how many likes we got from the post before. Or what did they say or what did they do? We say, Brother Mark, I'm not into that. Well, if there's anything that your flesh wants more than God, fix it tonight. Anything that your flesh wants more than God, then fix it tonight. Because if your flesh is not fixed tonight, if you ain't fleeing from it tonight, it's not my will anymore. It's not my will. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm not living to please me anymore. You ought not live to please yourself. That's what flesh does. It says, I want to please myself. You ought to live to please the Lord in every area of your life. You say, Brother Mark, but I can't get out. Yes, you can. You may not can get out on your own strength, but if you pray to God about that pornography, if you pray to God about that idol, if you pray to God about that addiction, God will bring you out of it. He'll break those chains. He'll set you free. You can run from your old nature, your old habits, your old ways. I'm running from them still today. I've been walking with the Lord, and things come up, and, man, I want to act on them. I want to say things. I want to do things. I just run from it. I'm, I'm actually proud of what God's done in my life. I actually like my testimony. 
I actually like my good name and who I am today. And I'm proud of the fact that we're leading by example. We're not just bumping our gums like so many do who say that they're Christians but don't walk the walk. They just talk the talk. Miss Gail, <laughs> she's a funny cat. We went over there not boasting, not bragging. We went over there, man, the other day. And God told us to go over there and help her. And we went over there and helped her. And, man, we was just honored. Danny and Allie showed up. And some others showed up. And we were working there. And we were trying to get her some power going. And she said, I've been to a lot of churches. But let me tell you one thing. And, man, she dropped a bomb on us. She said a bad word. She said, y'all the most realest place i ever seen in my life. And I looked at her and I was like, really? We are. It was funny because she said it, even though she dropped a bomb in there. But what she meant is, Harry, I've been to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. I've tasted of what they had, but it wasn't real. I've had a lot of people say they'd help me, but they never did. I had a lot of people say, I'll be there for you, but they never were. said, y'all are the most realist folks i ever seen. But there are some amongst us that live by the flesh that will do things that just make you shake your head. You got to keep your eyes on God. My help comes from above. You know, there are some... You may live with one of them. You may be married to one of them. Keep your eyes on God and pray for them. Pastor Collier, with 40 years of ministry experience, put it down to me like this today. He said, have you ever gotten in the flesh? I said, well, yes, sir. He said, well, then don't be surprised when somebody else gets in the flesh. Catches us off sometimes. But God can get us through whatever. The second thing we fight is the world. How many believe we're fighting this world that we live in? This world we live in is fight, Carrie. This world we live in is a struggle. This world we live in. How many feel like a stranger in their own community, in their own world? How many feel like we're a stranger on the workplace? How many feel like, man, everybody is going nuts, and I feel like I'm the only insane person, or insane? I am insane. I, I'm insane about Jesus. But how, how, many, how many feel sometimes that everybody's crazy but you, that everybody's insane but you, that everybody's losing their marbles but you? How many saw them light the White House up with the rainbow deal and you just shook your head? How many, how, how many just looked out there at the decisions that this country is making and saying, man, this is some crazy stuff. I never in my life thought I'd see this. And you're like, man, this world is going to hell in a handbag. But this is our temporary home. That's why you don't fit in. That's why it makes you feel crazy, because you don't fit in. You don't fit in. You're just a foreigner. You're just a foreigner. You, you, you got a passport, 
Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You got a passport. If you're born again, saved, born again believer, believe in Jesus Christ with all your heart, you got a passport. It's called the Book of Life. And, and this is not your home. Huh? That's good stuff. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. You ought to be happy if your name's been found in the Lamb Book of Life and you prayed and you've accepted Jesus into your life because this world is our temporary home. I told you at the beginning of this message, I'm only here on assignment. I'm only here doing what God has called me to. I'm only here for a little while. The Bible says we're all here on assignment. And we're only here for a little while. Where everybody can't be preachers, everybody can't be teachers, everybody can't be singers, but you can be something for God in this world we live in. How do I overcome the world? How can I overcome the world? It's simple. It is so simple. It's elementary preaching. It's by your faith. Faith helps you overcome. The struggles in this world. God, it don't look good. God, it seems impossible. But I know with you, all things are impossible. By my faith, you'll never hear anybody say, Woe ye of little faith to me. Because my faith increases as I walk day by day with the Lord. In this world. I got to have him. I need him everywhere I go. I don't get up and just go about my day without him. i got to have him. He's a great comforter. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's always there when you call on him. And in this world, listen to me, you got to have some faith, some like crazy faith. I prayed this morning before I left the house. I prayed this morning when I got to church. I prayed when I got to the hospital to see Brother Benny. I prayed when I came back. I prayed when I was struggling. I prayed when I wrote this message. I prayed a little bit more. Then I run over and picked my motorcycle up at Connie and Vic's house, and I got on my motorcycle, and I came back to try to help a guy put some groceries on his table, and I was going down the road, and a guy whipped out in front of me and almost killed me. I had to slide over on the side of the road. And say, thank you, God, for protecting me. Faith. Your faith will get you home. If you don't have enough faith, ask God to increase your faith. That's something you can do. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh this world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We are not told to fight this world. We are told to have faith in God instead. What does faith do? Faith makes God real. How many other motorcyclists would have made it off that road today? Maybe not too many. But the Lord said, I'm going to let a hair on your head be harmed. I'm watching over your coming and going. I believe all that stuff. God says, I know every number on your head. I know every hair on your head. God says, I'm watching over your coming and going. I believe every bit of that. Every bit of that. I believe it by faith. 
John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh this world, and this is the victory. The victory. We're not told to fight this world. We're told to have faith in God instead. What does faith do? Faith makes God real. Love not this world, neither the things that are in this world. If many men loves the things that are in this world, the Father is not in him. When we say that someone is worldly, what we're saying is that person loves the world more than they love the Father. I was tripping out over these two old nuns. I was telling Miss Macluso, Benny's mama, she is absolutely the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Miss Macluso is a trip. Go somewhere with her. She will brighten up your day. She trips me out. She's the funniest Catholic I've ever met in my life. She can't see this far. We were walking her to Benny's room today, and, and we were walking side by side. I told her I was going to tell this in church. She said, you better not tell this in church. I said, I'm telling you in church. And I'm always giving her a hard time about being a Catholic. She's always giving me a hard time about being a Baptist. And, and I was rubbing it in her face today that Pope Francis said we ought to pray to Mother Earth. She said, no, he didn't. I said, yes, he did. And she said, well, I don't look up what all them Baptists say. I said, well, start looking up and let me know what they say. And, and we're walking to Benny's room, and this is the funniest thing. She already cracked me up. Some guy showed up, and he was telling the story, and he'd been talking for 30 minutes. She looked over and leaned at Mary, and she said, I don't know what this fool's talking about. I thought Mary was gonna. I thought Mary was gonna wet herself right there. She was just laughing so hard. It's funny, man. But Harry, we on our way to the room, man. We on our way to the room, and and we're we're walking down through there. I don't know why I'm telling you all the story, but I guess this is where my ADD comes in. And and she says, "You know why you can't be a a, a pastor, a, a, a Catholic priest." And she was talking about the black robes that they wear. She said, "Because you don't like blacks." But she was talking about the black robes that they wear. And all of a sudden, a black doctor walked right by us while she was talking. We got about five or six more steps. She said, he was black, wasn't he? I said, yes, ma'am. She was so embarrassed. I don't know why I told y'all that, but it was funny. What I found sitting with her today, listening to her laugh, listening to her jokes, saw two tears run down her eyes. She said, you know, Brother Mark, my Benny's going to be all right today. She said, I lost my husband on July 1st. And my son is having heart surgery on July 1st, but I got faith. But she proceeded to tell me she learned that in the Catholic church, not in my cowboy church. But <laughs> It's the funniest thing. She'll go to the Catholic church and tell them to come to the cowboy church. I just hadn't seen She told the priest one time she needed to come see me. I don't <laughs> trips me out, man. But to watch... Those two tears run down that sweet, beautiful, 87-year-old lady's face. It were tears she had to wipe. Tears that she knew her husband was in heaven and that her son 
was going to be okay no matter what. In this world, things are going to come. Doctor reports, bad news, loss of jobs. The world is a tough place. I was telling you a story I saw in the news. These two nuns were trying to hold on to their priesthood, their house, because some famous person wanted to buy it, and they did the research on her and found out that she was a devil worshiper, and they didn't want to sell it to her. But other people were said, no, we're going to sell it to her whether these two good Christian ladies say so or not. The upper archery diocese said, we're going to go ahead and sell it no matter what these, and they had to take it to court. It comes a sad day when our Christian beliefs will be compromised over $13 million. When $13 million means nothing to God. Means absolutely nothing to God. These worldly things, they mean absolutely nothing to God. When we say that someone is worldly, what we're saying is that person loves the world and the things in the world more than God. The love of the Father is not in them. How can I make you understand that? Suppose you're driving and you notice the oil light blinking red on your dashboard. What do you do? You take a hammer out and you break it. No, we don't do that. If we're getting too worldly, just like when the light's blinking and we know we're getting too worldly because we'll know we're getting too worldly, you stop when the light is blinking and you put oil in it and keep going. Same thing tonight. If you're getting too worldly, stop and fix it because the possessions, they're only temporary. The I've had so many new cars. As soon as you drive them off the lot and you show them to a couple of friends, guess what? They're used. And when you go back and you try to trade them in, the value is what? Depreciated. Material stuff will depreciate. Love will last forever, and the love of the Father will last forever. Now, if you're worldly, warning sign is illuminating, and you've fallen in love with this world, ask Jesus to help you. And the third and final thing we have to fight is this. Now, I've told you you had to flee. I told you that the worldly things we got to take and, 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 man, turn them over to God. And then there comes a time when we fight. And we fight the devil. We have to fight the devil. We flee from our flesh. We don't give in to our worldly ways and the ways of the world. And we fight the devil. Is anybody getting anything out of this? We have to fight the devil. His number one job is to seek out you. Say you. Touch three people and say you. His number one job is to seek you out say you i want you to get this you and his number one job is to seek you out and kill you and destroy you and take everything from you and then sit back and laugh at you 
The devil, the key word to overcoming the devil is to fight. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for, from you. First, we must submit to God, and then we have to fight the devil. Not in our own strength, but in the Lord's strength. Instead, most of us say to the devil, if you'll leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. I'm not going back to a back row Baptist. I'm not going back to a pew setter. I'm not going back because it's hard. I'm not going back because I'm getting attacked. I'm going forward. Not in my own strength, but with his strength. If someone had told me when I got saved that my life would be hell, I don't know if I'd have signed up for it. Just being honest with you tonight. Just being honest with you tonight. Because once you get saved, once you get born again, you got a great big bullseye on your back, and the enemy hates you. He don't want he won't do nothing but destroy you. Nobody told me that. They patted me on the back when I got out the baptism water and said, Good job, brother. You one of us. Welcome to the family. Hallelujah. I didn't know they were crying over in the back room somewhere. Because the devil just robbed them of their stuff. Robbed them of their their stuff, their friends, their family, their good name. The devil will try anything to kill you, rob you, steal from you. You know the devil will steal from you? Not the person, but the devil. He'll rob you of your time on earth by worrying about stuff all the time. I know there's some worry warts in this place. I'm looking at you. Y'all looking back at one sometime. We worry ourselves about this. We worry ourselves about that. He's just taking our time off. God's got us. You know, the devil, the devil is, is slick. And if we don't submit to God and resist him, fight him, not in our own strength, but in God's strength, you know, most of us say, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. I'm not going back to when life was honky-dory and I thought everything was good. Because I've seen what life can be. I've smelt and touched what God has for us. I got to pray with a little girl whose parents have abandoned her. I got to baptize a boy last week who wanted to commit suicide. I've already seen and felt and touched the miracles of God that I cannot in my own strength, go back to who I was before him. I will not go back. He liked to got some good people last week, liked to make them quit, liked to make them stop, liked to run some off this week. When he's got you on the ropes, he's going to keep punching until you fall down. Till you fall down and they count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're out. They're done. They're never coming back to church. They're never doing anything else for God. I got them. Woo, I won this. But if he knocks you down and he starts to count. One, and you get a knee up. 
And, and he's there, two, three, hurry up and count, four. And you get on your, on your hands. Now you're on your knees and your hands. Six, hurry, count, 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 count. Seven. And then you're trying to pull yourself back up. And you're a little wobbly. And here he comes again, and you say, Jesus, he has to stop. Somebody see that picture I just painted for you. If you say, Jesus, he's got to stop. Dead in his tracks. Can you imagine him frozen, and then you get to... Huh? Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principles of darkness, the powers of evil, slick, the devil. The devil cares nothing for you or your good intentions. But he fears the blood of Jesus Christ. When the devil comes after you, show him Jesus. Get on the offense instead of run. Tell Satan, I'll bring his word against you. You better leave me alone and go mess with somebody else because I know what Ephesians 6.10 says. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his power and his might. Devil, you trespassing on property that don't belong to you. I pray every day for this place, for every piece of grass, every rock, every piece of barbed wire, every fence. I pray the devil has no authority over a log out here that's fallen 10 years ago. You need to pray like that over your family, over your children, over your wives, over your husband, over your money, over your finances, over your belongings. Maybe you got got when you weren't prayed up. I've been got got. That's English, got got. When I wasn't prayed up. When I let my guard down. When I left my house without my peace shoes on, all hell broke loose. The Lord says, put on the full armor of God. You may fight. May you may fight. So I need the sword, and I need the shield, and I need the helmet. I don't need to miss out on putting on one piece of the garment. And then he says, when you got it all on, to stand and fight. I've been waiting on an answer. Stand and fight. I've been waiting on a word. Stand and fight. I've been waiting on God to tell me this and tell me that. Stand and fight. You know what he told me before I walked into church? He said, I'm the doorkeeper. He is a great doorkeeper. He opens them and he shuts them. He said, you don't worry about nothing. I'm the doorkeeper. Hallelujah. So if he's the doorkeeper of your life tonight, 
that we can win these wars that the enemy wages against our flesh. When the world tries to trap us and entrap us. When the devil himself brings every demon against you, you can win. <laughs> I can tell you for certain you can win. Flee the flesh. Have faith against the world and fight the devil. Don't tell me it won't work until you've tried it. Don't tell me that don't tell me that it won't work until you've tried it. Let's pray together. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, we can't do this thing without you. Father, enter into us tonight, Father. Fight our battles for us, Lord. I love when the army came against Jerasaphat and they came all up against him and he didn't know what to do and he didn't know where to go or how he was going to win. He had he had three separate armies coming at him from all different directions. And he said, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. Let me ask you tonight. Can you keep your eyes on the Lord? The maker of heaven and earth. He loves you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set you free. You're going to be more than a conqueror. Receive that tonight. You'll be more than a conqueror. What does that mean, Brother Mark? Well, this world labeled me a loser, but I'm more than a conqueror. This world labeled me no good, but I like who I'm becoming in Christ. This world may label you and may say things about you, but you don't buy into that. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name tonight, we ask for help as we fight and flee and stand on the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen.